Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. If you will turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 9. 9-1. Nehemiah chapter 9. And as I said a while ago, we're going we're gonna to go all the way from the beginning of chapter 9 to the end of chapter 10. Now there's a lot here. So uh, if you'll notice in, on the back of your uh, bulletin or on the YouVersion Bible app, um, it's a very scaled down outline this morning and, and really pretty simple. What we're going to see this morning is as the people uh, came to repent of their sins. And so for the first 15 minutes or so, uh, I'm simply going to read the scripture and, and talk very briefly in between. And in the last 15 minutes or so of our time, uh, we'll actually be involved in, uh, in some prayer and repentance for, uh, for a few different areas in our lives. Now, repentance is always an interesting issue. Uh, I almost want to say that we as Baptists don't know how to repent very well sometimes. It's, it's, not, it's not an idea that we throw around a lot, and it's, it's not something we practice uh, corporately nearly as often as we should. Uh, however, one of the things that we need to understand is that repentance does not have to be a scary um, thought to us. Because Romans 2.4, Paul says this. He says, Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, his restraint and patience? Look here. Not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So see, a lot of times I think we get in our ideas that, that when we know that we've messed up in some area, when we know that we're not living up to God's perfect standard, and, and right there, let me put a disclaimer and, and put in every day of your life, right? Every day of my life, right there. That, that when, when we lay our head at the, on the pillow at night, and I don't know about you, but that's when like all the, all the thoughts about stuff like I did that I shouldn't have done or that I didn't do that I should have done or the conversations I didn't have, or, or, or all those areas, like that's when those come flooding back to me. And if I'm not careful, that's when the enemy will really start attacking. And, and we will tend to, unless our understanding of who God is is shaped by Scripture, we'll, we'll tend to see God almost as this domineering, finger-wagging God ready to pounce on us the moment we, we make a misstep. And yet here Paul says, listen, no, it's, it's not judgment that God uses to bring us to repentance. It's kindness. It's kindness. And if you're a believer in Christ, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you don't have to continually ask for forgiveness. Because we believe that, that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was good once for all. So that means the moment you became a believer, all your sins, past, present, and future, were wiped clean. Stuff you hadn't even done yet was already paid for on the cross. So you don't have to continually ask for forgiveness for stuff that you've done. So what do we do? We repent, which is simply a word that means turn around. So when we recognize in our lives some areas that we're not walking in step with God, we turn around and we get back into fellowship with him. That's all it means. So, so this morning, the, the, the call to repentance is simply a call to turn around. And what we're going to see in our text this morning is God's people come to understand some things in their lives and even in their father's lives that, that they understand they need to do some repenting for. And so if you'll join me in, in Nehemiah chapter 9, the first thing that I want us to see this morning is that in, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 31, so we're going to start off and read a pretty good chunk here. The people repented for the sins of their fathers. 
They repented for the ways that their fathers acted. And this is what the text tells us. Nehemiah chapter 9. On the 24th day of the month, the Israelites assembled. They were fasting, wearing sackcloth, and had put dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. While they stood in their places, they read from the book of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day and spent another fourth of the day in confession and worship of the Lord their God. So so get that. They read the word for about three or four hours, and then they spent three or four hours in confessing. We're going to spend about 15 minutes in each, okay? So I'm I'm hoping not to overdo you here, right? Joshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chenai, Chenani, stood on the raised platform built for the Levites and cried out loudly to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah, said, Stand up, blessed be the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You, Lord, are the only God. You created the heavens, the highest heavens with all their stars, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and all the stars of heaven worship you. You, the Lord, are the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. You changed his name to Abraham. You found his heart faithful in your sight and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. To give it to his descendants, you have fulfilled your promise, for you are righteous. You saw the oppression of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly they treated our ancestors. You made a name for yourself that endures to this day. You divided the sea before them and they crossed through it on dry ground. You hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into raging water. You led them with a pillar of cloud by day and with a pillar of fire by night to illuminate the way they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them impartial ordinances, reliable instructions, and good statutes and commands. You revealed your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commands, statutes, and instruction through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them water from the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in and possess the land you had sworn to give them. Now now look here. For the last 15 verses, um, Nehemiah and the people have broken out in praise to God for what he's done. How good God has been to their fathers. And now we see how the fathers responded. But our ancestors acted arrogantly. They became stiff-necked and did not listen to your commands. They refused to listen and did not remember your wonders you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. And at this point, if I'm God, I say, I'm done with you all. We'll start over again. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. And you did not abandon them. Even after they had cast an image of a calf for themselves and said, this is your God whom you brought out of Egypt. And they committed terrible blasphemies. 
You did not abandon them in the wilderness because your great compassion. During the day, the pillar of cloud never turned away from them, guiding them on their journey. And during the night, the pillar of fire illuminated the way they should go. You sent your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. You provided for them in the wilderness 40 years, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. You gave them kingdoms and peoples and established boundaries for them. They took possession of the land of King Sihon of Heshbon and the land of King Og of Bashan. You multiplied their descendants like the stars of the sky and brought them to the land you told their, their ancestors to go in and possess. So their descendants went in and possessed the land. You subdued the Canaanites who inhabited the land before them and handed their kings and the surrounding peoples over to them to do as they pleased with them. They captured fortified cities and fertile land and took possession of well-supplied houses, cisterns cut out of rock, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate and were filled, became prosperous, and delighted in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They flung your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them. In their, life, in their time of distress, they cried out to you and you heard from heaven. In your abundant compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the power of their enemies. But as soon as they had relief, they did again what was evil in your sight. So you abandoned them to the power of their enemies who dominated them. When they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven and rescued them many times in your compassion. You warned them to turn back to your law, but they acted arrogantly and would not obey your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, which a person will live by if he does them. They stubbornly resisted, stiffened their necks, and would not obey. You were patient with them for many years, and your spirit warned them through your prophets, but they would not listen. Therefore, you handed them over to the surrounding peoples. However, in your abundant compassion, you did not destroy them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God, now I want to stop there. And I know there was a whole lot that we just read, so let me break it down for you. God is good for his people, to his people. And his people continually turned, his, turned their backs on God. And yet God continued to pour out his graciousness and his kindness and his love and his mercy for his people, even though they continually turned away. And this is a pattern that we see throughout the Old Testament. We see it in Exodus after, after God miraculously takes the children of Israel out of Egypt and miraculously parts the Red Sea to save them from the pursuing Egyptian army. And they get on the other side and instead of immediately breaking out into praise, they start complaining to Moses because they're hungry and they're thirsty. And they say, let's, let's raise up a leader to take us back to Egypt. After all, being a slave wasn't so bad, right? We had three square meals a day. Sure, we got beat every now and then, but, but really it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, we, as, as people make it out to be. Things were okay. Let's just go back. And the stiff-necked people continually turning their backs on God. And God continues to show grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And so what, what the people are doing here in Nehemiah chapter 9 is they're recounting their history. And they're repenting on behalf of their fathers who turned their back on God. And then what we see starting in verse 32 and going to the end of 
uh, or close to the end of chapter 9, is the people repented for the sins of their nation. So they, they repented for the, for the sins of those who came before them. And then they repented for the sins of their nation. Verse 32, So now our God, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant, do not view lightly all the hardships that have afflicted us. Our kings and leaders, our priests and prophets, our ancestors and all your people from the days of the Assyrian kings until today. You are righteous concerning all that has happened to us because you have acted faithfully while we have acted wickedly. Our kings, leaders, priests, and ancestors did not obey your law or listen to your commands and warnings you gave them. When they were in your kingdom with your abundant goodness that you gave them and in the spacious and fertile land you set before them, they would not serve you or turn from their wicked ways. Here we are today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so that they could enjoy its fruit and its goodness. Here we are, slaves in it. And its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and our livestock as they please. We are in great distress. So they just recounted God's mercy to his people. And then they shift a little bit in verse 32 and they they turn from their ancestors to to the, the people in their nation at that moment. And they begin praying for their kings, for their priests, and for their leaders. They repent for the sins of their nation. Let me ask you, when's the last time you got down on your knees and prayed and repented for the sins of our nation? Prayed for our president and the leaders that God would guide his decision-making process. Whether he has a D or an R behind his name. When's the last time you cried out on behalf of injustices that are taking place in our nation? When's the last time we cried out in distress over the fact that right now in New Mexico, a young girl can walk into a clinic days away from giving birth and abort the baby with no consequences? When's the last time we've cried out for injustices in our nation and repented on behalf of our nation? We're going to do that here in just a minute. And then what we see in chapter 10 is God's people returned to him. The people returned to the Lord. So they repented on behalf of their fathers. They repented on behalf of their nation. And then they returned to the Lord, starting in verse 38. And again, chapter 10 is a bit long, so, so hang with me, and then we will uh, we'll move into a time of, of response here in just a second. But as they're looking back on their history and they're looking on their nation, this is what this is what the people say in verse 38. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement in writing on a sealed document containing the names of our leaders, Levites, and priests. And then I want you to skip down to uh, verse 30. Because the, the, the first part is a, a whole bunch of names. It's not that those are unimportant, but, but when we get to the meat of their covenant, they're, they're renewing their covenant with the Lord. They're saying, this is where we are. We don't want to be like our fathers. We want to serve you alone. This is what their, um, their vow is, beginning of verse 30. We will not give our daughters in marriage to the surrounding peoples 
and will not take their daughters as wives for our sons. When the surrounding peoples bring merchandise or any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or a holy day. We will also leave the land uncultivated in the seventh year and will cancel every debt. We will impose the following commands on ourselves to give an eighth of an ounce of silver yearly for the service of the house of our God. The bread displayed before the Lord, the daily grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbath and new moon offerings, the appointed festivals, the holy things, the sin offerings to atone for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. We've cast lots among the priests, Levites and people for the donation of wood by our ancestral families at the appointed times each year. They are, the, they are to bring the wood to our God's house to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. Verse 35, we will bring the first fruits of our land and of every fruit tree to the Lord's house year by year. We will also bring the firstborn of our sons and our livestock as prescribed by the law, and we will bring the firstborn of our herds and flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who serve us in our God's house. We will bring a loaf from our first batch of dough to the priest at the storeroom of the house of our God. We will also bring the first fruits of our grain offerings, of every fruit tree, and of the new wine and fresh oil. A tenth of our land's produce belongs to the Levites, for the Levites are to collect the one-tenth offering in all our agricultural towns. A priest from Aaron's descendants is to accompany the Levites when they collect the tenth, and the Levites are to take a tenth of this offering to the storerooms of the treasury in the house of our God. For the Israelites and the Levites are to bring the contributions of wine, new grain, and fresh oil to the storehouse to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are kept and where the priests who minister are along with the gatekeepers and singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. Now, what did they just do? What you need to understand is they did not just come up with these regulations all on their own. What they're doing is going back to what God's word has already told them to do. And so the idea here is they, they realize some things in their lives that they've not been doing that God's called them to. And as part of repenting for the sins of their fathers and repenting for the sins of their nation, they said, we are going to return to the Lord and we are going to do what he's told us to do. We're going to obey the words that he's given to us. And everything they just listed out is them returning to the law and saying, this is what God has told us to do. Now, fast forward a few thousand years. We are now in New Testament times. We're no longer people under the law. We're people under grace. So, so listen, that doesn't mean that, that we've got to, like every firstborn son that you have, you've got to bring and lay him at the, at the foot of the church and say, here's my son, serve. He's going to serve here in the church all the days of his life. That's, that's not what we're saying. Rather, as we look at the New Testament, and if we're under the law of grace, our returning to the Lord is simply getting back to the things that he's told us to do. Things like the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Returning to the Lord means obeying the love one another's that Jesus gave us. Love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. That we would have the kind of fellowship that Scripture talks about in Acts chapter 2. When, when the folks in the, in the church met the needs that they had within the local church. They met one another's needs. They, they met together regularly to, to fellowship, to open up the word. Just as 
the people made a vow to return to the Lord this morning. I wonder what, what he's calling you to return to. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Siona just to come, and she's going to just begin to play. And the, the very first thing that I want us to, to do is just to spend some time in prayer. And just like the, the children of Israel did here in the book of Nehemiah, as, as, they are, as they have read the word of the Lord, and in chapter 8, a couple weeks ago, what we saw is that from dawn until midday, for about six hours, they read the book of the law. And this caused them to break out in joy, and then in our passage today, it caused them to break out in repentance. And so we're going to take two or three minutes. We're not going to take long on each of these, but we're going to take two or three minutes right now. And I want you to pray and repent for the sins of our nation. I'm not going to list them all out. You, you watch the news, you know some of the stuff that's going on in our world. And then I'll close this. As always, our, our altar's open. Maybe you want to come down here and pray at, at the altar with your family. Maybe you just want to gather there and, and pray in, in your seat. However the Lord's leading you, and we're going to take two or three minutes, we're going to ask the Lord to, we're going to ask him, we're going to repent on behalf of our nation, ask that his hand will continue to be on our nation. Let's take a couple minutes and pray. cry out on behalf of our nation. We repent for 
the idolatry that we see, not only in our lives, but in the lives of, of people from coast to coast. Where we as a nation have made ourselves ultimate. What I want rules the day. I get to define who I am. I get to define what I will do. Everything centers around me. God, how wicked is that mindset? So God, I pray you will turn hearts away from ourselves, away from gadgets, focus our attention on you. That that we as a nation might begin to value again the things that you value. That we would value life rather than convenience. care for the least of these rather than ignoring them and going on about our daily lives. May we as a nation again become a place that wants to see God glorified. May that start with the men and women and children who declare Christ Jesus as Lord. What we're going to do now is we're going to transition into a time of praying for our church. Um, Now, if you're here this morning and you're a guest, um, you don't know the history of the church. You don't know what, what the, the last 10 years or so have looked like. And, and so to ask you to repent on behalf of the church would be kind of weird. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to do is, is if you're here and this is, not, this is not your home church, I'm just going to ask you to pray over the next couple of minutes that God would be glorified in and through the people gathered at First Baptist Church. But for those of us who, who are a part here, who call this our church home, some of you have been here through the, the thick and the thin of the past several years, some of you have come in at, at, at the tail end of this. That's kind of where I am too, is we're starting to rebuild. But just as the people of Israel repented for the sins of their fathers, I'm going to call us as a church to pray and repent for the sins of the church. The, even even since, since I've been here, I see in my own leadership a lack of focus on the Great Commission, a lack of focusing on making disciples done some good things, but the question is always, are we, are we focused on the best thing? And so again, over the next couple of minutes, uh, the altar is going to be open. Maybe you just want to come down here and pray on behalf of our church. If you'd call this your church home, I would invite you to join me at the altar as we spend just a couple of minutes to pray for and, and, and repent for, for some, of the, some of the sins that have been committed here on behalf of First Baptist Church. And that just as the children of Israel then committed themselves to following the Lord, that we would commit ourselves to following where He leads. Let's take a couple of minutes and pray on behalf of First Baptist Church.
Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.